Hi, on the 5th and 6th of June, 2024, I'll be speaking at the largest AI event in Asia, Super AI in Singapore, at the iconic Marina Bay Sands. Alongside brilliant minds like Edward Snowden, Benedict Devon, and Balaji Srinivasan, I'll be on a stage exploring the extraordinary potential of AI and the profound change it represents, not just for financial markets, but also for the world as we know it. With over 5,000 attendees and over 150 side events, Singapore will become a vibrant hub for a full week from the 3rd and 9th of June. Visit superai.com to register and join me with 20% off tickets using the code REALVISION. Use the link in the description and I'll see you there. It's going to be incredible. Everybody. How long is the Fed on hold? And welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Darius Dell, founder of 42 Macro. So if you're listening and you can't see me, I was talking with my mute on. My mouth was moving, but voice was not coming out. So we fixed that. Hey, Darius. Maggie, it's great to see you. It's, uh, it's great to hear you as well, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> right? I know. We were working on your camera before you went on. It's just one of those weeks when you have, for, the, for those of us sitting in the US, when you have a holiday weekend, and you and you are off on Monday, it just feels like the whole week piles up into the day, the four days that you have left. So it's been a marathon and it's only Wednesday, but on we go, upwards and onwards. <laughs> so Darius, uh, the Fed really isn't focused today because we had the Fed minutes, but it's really been this story over the last couple of weeks once we started to get this hotter than expected data, the inflation surprises, and we've sort of seen this rethink in the markets. And the Fed confirming it seems like a lot of, you know, what the market, the conclusion the market had been coming to, and they themselves have been saying, right? They're not in a rush. In fact, they're concerned about going too early. Um, you know, wh where, do you, where do you think we are in the cycle? How long are they going to have to sit here? Well, thanks again, Maggie, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be with the Real Vision community. Uh, in terms of uh, how long the Fed can be on hold, I mean, I think uh, higher for longer is certainly something that's kind of been lost out of the market, uh, a narrative lexicon, if you will, over the past couple of quarters. But in our opinion, it's due uh, to come back and perhaps by the second half of the year, uh, come back with a vengeance. Um, you know, one of the things we've been highlighting in our research uh, of late uh, here at 42 Macro uh, is this market regime transition from Goldilocks to reflation. That's something that's occurred uh, uh, this week. Uh, and how we had determined that, uh, Maggie, is through the lens of our global macro risk matrix, which is the primary uh, quantitative risk management system we use to help our buy side clients uh, consistently stay on the right side of of market risk. So uh, just really quick, um, just give you guys a little background on that on that model. Uh, Brian, if you go up slide number one uh, in, in today's chart pack, uh, where we show the 42 volatility adjusted momentum signals that are currently contributing uh, to uh, to this, uh, current, this newfound reflation regime. Uh, in terms of how this process works, we're scoring uh, 42 of the most important asset markets uh, in, in the world through the lens of our volatility adjusted momentum signal. And then we're relating that information back to uh, we're telling that information uh, in accordance to how each of those asset markets have, have traded historically in each of those regimes. And currently, uh, if you throw slide two up, uh, Brian, uh, reflation now has the uh, highest share of markets that are confirming it as the market regime. Therefore, we say uh, this is the new market regime. This is what you should be doing from the perspective of your portfolio. You're actually already starting to see uh, some of this uh, in terms of the key portfolio construction considerations uh, in reflation. You tend to want to be long risk ads over defensive assets, growth tends to outperform value. Uh, high beta tends to outperform low beta, 
Uh, you think about things like emerging markets, international, uh, generally outperform uh, developed market type uh, exposures, credit spread products tend to outperform uh, G10 sovereign debt, foreign currencies tend to outperform US dollars. So uh, there's a whole host of uh, market implications as a function of this you know, kind of subtle regime shift. It's still risk on, and we're expecting risk on market conditions to trend uh, for a while. Uh, but that's not to say that we can't continue this correction uh, to help investors get more appropriately positioned uh, for reflation, because ultimately we do believe uh, the thing that's driving reflation really uh, may ultimately turn into inflation, which is the risk off version, which is uh, above trend inflation, above trend nominal GDP. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So that I think that I think that that two really important points in there. One is that you can you can be in a risk on environment but still see pullbacks because yeah, I think that's confusing to people and it feels like there's so much to worry about that it feels odd to be thinking of some for some people about risk on and we, we should mention we've got Nvidia coming out after the close. You know that issue of are we in a bubble? Are things overvalued in tech? Are we going to see a, a massive? pullback because of that. That's one of the worries that's out there. So trying to put those two things together, and we can talk about that. I I think I also just heard you say, this is the setup now, but it may change. We may be heading to something else too um, that's different. So your time frame is going to matter, right? In terms of what, you, what you're favoring. Yeah, 100%, Maggie. And, and, and very astute of you to latch on to those two points. I'll address them independently. Uh, so in terms of uh, of, of can you see a correction? You very much can see a correction uh, in the context of a risk on a market regime. That's something that happens and corrections happen all the time in asset markets. We should lose sleep over them unless they're going to morph in a trending uh, you know, change in, in, in factor leadership, uh, which is what gets you blown up on the buy side and ultimately get you blown up even as a retail investor. So uh, you know, I liken this period to today to the September and October period of 2020 uh, when we had a 10% correction uh, in the S&P 500, but underneath the surface, Asset markets were actually getting more cyclical, more high beta, more you know, more reflationy, and ultimately that was the precursor uh, to the biggest reflation trade uh, you know we've all seen in our lifetime. So uh, you know I think this is very similar, particularly if Nvidia uh, has some sloppy results or the market uh, just uh, reacts sloppy to whatever results they report. Uh, this is something that could obviously deepen the correction given the concentration we've seen across um, you know all these major uh, U.S. equity market indices. Uh, but ultimately, in our opinion, we think that's a buy the dip for now. Uh, addressing the second part of your question in terms of, you know, going back to the original question, how long is the Fed going to be on hold, higher for longer, all that kind of stuff. You know, we've been talking about in our research for a while now, you know, we've benefited, our clients have benefited uh, tremendously from uh, the confluence of immaculate disinflation and our resilient U.S. economy theme uh, that we authored back in the summer of 2022. Um, those two things have co- coalesced to form uh, the Goldilocks market regime that we're just exiting from and, and profiting from. Uh, but, you know, we might have a you know quarter or two in reflation. Uh, but ultimately, we think that the terminal destination for this pivot is to the inflation uh, regime. Mm-hmm. Inflation is the risk-off version of reflation. It's above trend nominal GDP growth or, or, or with the Fed taking away the punch bowl. Right now, the market is effectively saying the Fed's not going to take away the punch bowl, certainly not in any kind of uh, material or draconian uh, manner. And, and, and also, Treasury uh, issuance policy continues to be quite favorable as well. But uh, we're ultimately thinking that by the second half of the year, uh, it'll be pretty clear that uh, inflation is unlikely to return uh, to two percent target uh, without, at the bare minimum, a higher for longer, uh, you know, a higher for longer policy by the Fed uh, and more tight monetary or more tight fiscal policy by the Treasury. Yeah, that that that's super important. So Andreas just dropped his latest report on the platform, and he's also talking about inflation, and he's worried about bonds in this environment. Let's listen to a clip from that, and then we'll talk on the other side. When we look at interest rates, um, it gets a little bit more tricky. Um, I have a chart 
on sort of a beta study between interest rates and the ISM manufacturing cycle. Um, and if you look at 10-year interest rates in the U.S. relative to ISM manufacturing, those two charts uh, or lines, they were basically glued to each other from 2008 until 2020. And then inflation started wreaking havoc with, with this correlation. So inflation was back as a driver of uh, trends in interest rate space. And given that we see this cyclical optic now um, with some signs of, of already um, sort of accelerating underlying inflation pressures, I think the safest thing to say around interest rates here is that they probably lean upwards in such a scenario here. Uh, so I don't see much reason uh, in buying 10-year treasuries as a diver diversifier in your portfolio here. I would rather look towards um, the commodity complex, stuff that actually performs in a scenario where manufacturing ticks up, inflation ticks up marginally, uh, and liquidity performs in the dollar markets. Uh, I'll show you one chart on why that is. Um, it's very hard to bond, buy bonds in this scenario if wages reaccelerate, if the price of goods reaccelerate alongside the commodity cycle. And that full interview is available on our website if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you are not a full member, come register at realvision.com so you can stay up to date on all the amazing things and conversations we have going on. So Darius, um, Andre is saying hard to buy bonds in this environment and talking a lot about commodities. And we had Adam asking, I think you partly answered his question, which was after evaluating all the data, what's your current stance on the market? How are you positioned in the short-term versus the medium-term outlook? I think you just talked about short-term short versus medium-term, but how are you thinking about this? It, are you finding the bond outlook difficult as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the bond outlook is, is, is quite interesting. And I, and I want to go back to uh, the discussion that Andreas uh, just, just sort of put in front of us because I think it's a very important discussion to have. And it's certainly a discussion that I've had many, many dozens of times with our institutional uh, investor clients across global uh, Wall Street. I've had many conversations uh, with some of the most important PMs and CIOs of the world about this very topic, about how you know these traditional models like TSGE models and autoregressive tools have really just failed investors and failed economists uh, in terms in, in this post-pandemic era of above trend nominal GDP growth and, and real, you know, true fiscal monetary largesse. You know, this has been the most unusual business cycle that we have on record. We don't have too many business cycles on record because we only really started tracking the business cycle roughly 100 years ago. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the business, this is by far the weirdest one. We have a lot of uh, asynchrony. Uh, throughout mm. the various cycles uh, in the economy. We have something that's going on right now that we've never seen before, which is immaculate disinflation. It's obviously been a very powerful force uh, for, for, for asset markets. Um, so in terms of, you know, I think we need to, as investors, have an open and honest debate about the tools and, and, and models and frameworks that we're using to generate investment insights and ultimately position for uh, as investors. Uh, Brian, if you throw up slide five in our, in our, in our, in our, in our, in our, in our today's chart pack, you know, we talked about this before, Maggie, in terms of our macro weather model. This is a mm -hmm. dynamic stochastic system that we built in response to the recognition uh, and the, the long form discussions that I've had with our institutional investor clients over the past couple of years, uh, you know, to, to, under, to, to better, you know, right size our, our portfolios uh, to, 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 to market risk. You know, the reality is the economy is a lot less, again, as I mentioned, synchronous, the, different, the various cycles within the economy, whether they be real economy cycles on the left or financial economy cycles on the, on the right. Have, have broken down and have been less correlated with each other as they ever have been. 
And this is why we built the dynamic stochastic system to help us, you know, sort of understand, okay, what's actually changing in the economy as opposed to saying, oh, this thing changed, therefore that thing should change. That's what Mm -hmm. most investors are still doing. And in our opinion, I think that's going to continue to cause investors to lag uh, broader market returns. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Join over 5,000 attendees for the largest AI event in Asia at Super AI Singapore, June 5th and 6th, 2024. Rao Pal, Benedict Evans, Balaji Srinivasan, Edward Snowden, and over 150 others will join the industry's most influential to explore and unveil the next wave of transformative AI technologies. Singapore will become a vibrant AI hub for a week from June 3rd through June 9th with over 150 side events that will make for unparalleled networking opportunities. Visit www.realvision.com forward slash super AI for 20% off tickets with the code REALVISION or click below. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that's a really, really good point, Darius. And we've been talking a lot about this and we're going to continue to talk about it next week um, in some interviews we're doing because it's been confusing, right? But to your point, it's been very different and what's driving it matters. I had a conversation with Paul Hodges today with another uh, small group of our uh, VIPs. And you know, he was sort of saying at some point, um, well, that would have been true if you're in a capitalist situation, but in many ways, because of all the government spending we've seen, we're, we're not in that situation. So things are happening, but you can't apply the same cause and effect that you may have done in prior years or prior decades. And it was really fascinating. So you're right. It's so important, I think, to kind of reboot and look at that. Um, and that's why we lean on on folks like you who are kind of grinding it out down deep in the research and modeling to try to figure out what's accurate now and are we looking at the right things? So and, it's and super important to flag that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And, and it's not like we have, you know, some real clear crystal ball into the future that's clearer than the, you know, it's certainly clearer than the average investor, but, you know, not any more clearer than our institutional investor clients. Uh, the reality is we just have the ability to understand and accept the fact that a lot of these traditional uh, relationships, you know, these two-factor models or these, you know, even more complicated DSG autoregressive models just aren't working and with the same precision and accuracy that they worked in the great moderation. And the reality is, unless we accept that and, and humble ourselves and accept the fact that markets and, and the economy are going to be a lot more dynamic and stochastic going forward as a function of this, in my opinion, the fourth turning regime that we're in, uh, and as a function of that, the fiscal monetary largesse we're seeing uh, in response to various cycles in the economy, if we accept that and humble ourselves and, and incorporate that humility into our investment process, I think we're going to have much better results uh, than investors that are uh, certainly relying on old tools, but certainly even if they're not relying on old tools, not having the humility to pivot to new ways of thinking, uh, new ways of assessing economic and market risk. Yeah. 
that's what we talk about all the time. We all have to sort of keep reskilling and stay on the learning journey because it's not a static environment and things are changing. Uh, so um, we've got a few questions here. Uh, let me see. I want to get to a few of them because they're good. So uh, the macro butler is asking, Darius, isn't the bubble is the bubble not in the bond market rather than the equity market? I think a little English translation here, but are we seeing more of a bubble in bonds, even though everyone's been worried about the bubble in tech? I think that's what he's asking. Yeah, no, uh, you'd have to have significantly higher. So if you think about, you know, how to construct, deconstruct bond yields, you need, you know, the trend nominal GDP trend and then term premium. Term premium are, are right around flat right now. Mean of, of the term premium for the, you know, at least if you look at the ACP model, which has a time series going back to 19, late 1960s, you know, the mean of that is around 150 basis points. So you can argue that uh, just get back to mean term premium levels that, we, you know, the bond, the 10 year treasury yield is perhaps undervalued by 150 basis points. Uh, but certainly uh, I would argue that relative to the Fed's neutral rate target of 50 real 250 basis points nominal, that we are probably uh, the Fed is a little bit uh, undervalued and, and the markets are appropriately priced in that. And if you look at money market curves out two, three years, they're not getting back to two and a half percent. Uh, a 50 basis point real, um, you know, so the, I think the market is a lot more in line with uh, where we've been, which is, you know, this this economy has sustainable juice. You know, you remember that sheet I would come on with the 10 things that were yes. contributing to the our resilient U.S. economy theme. And a lot of those things are persistent, uh, structurally persistent. Yeah. You know, the, this cash on corporate and consumer balance sheets isn't going anywhere, Mac. You know, we have, um, you know, I want to say it's about uh, you know, to roughly $5 trillion of cash on household balance sheets, $2 trillion of cash on corporate balance sheets. You know, if you aggregate that, uh, it's a, no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's six and two. So it's right around $8 trillion of cash on household and, and corporate balance sheets here in the U S combined. That's up from 4 trillion prior to the pandemic. That 8 trillion is 5% of total assets. We haven't seen such a high ratio of liquidity on household and corporate balance sheets, uh, in the U S economy since going back to the early 1950s. So we don't really know what to make or what to think about the resiliency and sustainability of this above trend uh, nominal GDP environment that we're, we're in. And so I think the you know one thing that's happened in asset markets dating back to uh, the beginning of this conversation with the subtle regime shift from Goldilocks to reflation, I think that's the market's interpretation of saying, hey, soft landing has peaked in terms of uh, uh, the market psychology, you know, the mm -hmm. probability associated with soft landing and is losing share. And no landing, that scenario is gaining ground uh, as a function of that. And eventually, the no landing will take too much share from soft landing and actually cause problems for asset markets because market participants will appropriately uh, uh, forecast uh, that the Fed and Treasury uh, will start to take away the punch bowl. But in our opinion, we're not there yet, uh, even though we may still be in a, a correction in equities. So Doug is asking, if reflation is negative for DXY, do you expect commodities to outperform the market? Yeah, absolutely. So commodities are one of the risk risk assets to not perform defensive assets. So commodities are certainly one of those uh, plays that uh, tend to work well in reflation. Not every reflation regime is going to look exactly like all the other reflation regimes uh, in history. But what we're trying to do uh, is create a central tendency of the distribution so that we know what kinds of factor bets and factor pivots we need to make to stay on the right side of market risk. Uh, when I say that phrase, that should trigger something uh, in your head, as, a, as particularly as a retail investor. Because our buy side clients, the people I meet with, you know, every afternoon, they need to stay on the right side of market risk. They don't have a choice. Otherwise, they're going to lose their seat. But a retail investor can, you know, be long a theme or short a theme. You know, they can be short a raging bull market or long an asset that's drawing down for multiple quarters at a time because they believe in the long term uh, thesis. You know, but the reality is, you know, that's how you blow yourself up. But the reality is there's no risk manager to tell a retail investor they need to stop doing that. 
But, mm. but if you want to stop doing that and you want to actually start to consistently make and save money, you got to think about incorporating uh, tools that will allow you to stay on the right side of market risk, like our global macro risk matrix. It's a trend following system uh, that's obviously uh, done quite well for our clients. Yeah. So Adam, Adam is asking in reflation, what does that mean in terms of allocation decisions? Are you favoring certain styles, sectors, geographic areas, underweight, actively short? I think that you, if I remember correctly, Darius, you, you're, you're not a fan of shorting because of the dynamics of the market, right? Did you say that one time when we were on? Uh, we, I don't believe any retail investor has any business shorting in the world. Uh, I don't think most RA investors have any business shorting. Leave the shorting to the market neutral players whose job it is to short. Shorting is too difficult to risk manage. I'm not saying that you, sh- you, 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 I'm not telling people what they could, should do. I'm just telling them that if their goal is to actually make and save money across market cycles, the best bet is to approach investing from the perspective of one side of distribution of risk and hedge the other side of the distribution with either trend following strategies or, or, or delta or option strategies that allow you to take advantage of, of, of pullbacks in the markets that you know preserve capital and allow you to reinvest. You know, that's the way markets go up over time. You know, with the exception of currencies and commodities, which are stationary time series, the vast majority of asset markets appreciate over time. So the reality is there's really, you know, you're, you're really fighting a lot of a lot of data and a lot of return uh, when, you, when you put on short bets. And so, you know, when we're coaching our institutional investor clients on these factor pivots like high beta, long, low beta, short, you know, uh, rules, long, defensive, short, uh, you know, th- those kinds of bets, EM versus DM, those kinds of bets you would make in reflation, you know, industrial commodities, uh, energy commodities, those types of things are the kind of things you want to be long versus a, a U.S. dollar or gold in that space. Those are the kinds of bets we're coaching our institutional investors to make. But as a retail RA investor, just go be long the thing that's working and make sure you, you know, have some systems in place or some hedging uh, in place to take care of uh, the leftovers. Yeah. That, way better, way better. Beta. Again, Again, super important, right? Know know what kind of trader you are. The messaging is not the same depending on what your needs are. So if you are retail, you know, you, you are going to be paying attention to things naturally that others are are either not at liberty to, or they you know they have different mandates that they're following. Got a question about um, Bitcoin from Ralph. I can see a, sh- a bit of a shorter term pullback in Bitcoin and ETH. What does Darius think of those and the U.S. dollar going forward? Yeah, so uh, reflation, Bitcoin is an asset that works very well in inflation. Again, reflation is a risk-on regime. The difference between reflation and Goldilocks is very subtle. Uh, you tend to want to be more exposed to sort of the cyclical components of, of asset markets. You want to be even less exposed to the defensive components of asset markets, things like gold, things like G10 sovereign debt, you know, things like the U.S. dollar relative to a Goldilocks regime. You don't want to be long those things relative to their counterparts anyway, uh, but you want to get incrementally less along those things or incrementally short those things if it's your job emphasis on job <laughs> to be short uh, those kinds of things. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, so NVIDIA is just crossing. Uh, Ooh, check that out. Yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, you always have to see, and a lot of this is in the conference call, but it's, they beat, but 
you know, the bar was so high. We were talking to Tony Greer yesterday. They look like they're down a little bit after that 3%, now 1%. I think a lot is going to depend on what they hear in the conference call. But, you know, if you're beating by $2, two billion um, projected revenue and you're NVIDIA, you know, it, would that be good for anybody else? Yes. But what does that mean? And then, you know, what are all the, what are all the, what is all the positioning around that mean? So there's a lot that goes into this. So um, this is when you have the opportunity to sit back and maybe watch some of it until we get some clarity on yeah. what this is going to mean. But it it does seem like this is going this is a big, at least sentiment bellwether, Darius. It, it should be. And, and, and some of the, one of the things though, going back to the beginning of, of this month, you know, our positioning model, which tracks a variety of different indicators uh, across the asset classes to identify, you know, potential pain trades in asset markets. And one of the things we were flagging at the beginning of, of this month was a high degree of, of risk of a pain trade in equities, a pain trade lower uh, in equities, because sentiment, if you look at retail investor sentiment, had gotten uh, too, too extreme. If you look at systematic investor positioning, uh, had gotten too extreme, at least according to our model. If you look at the gross exposure to equities uh, you know, for market neutral players, that had gotten too extreme, at least according uh, to our model. Um, you know, so in our opinion, we were, we were flagging the elevated risk of a market correction, of a pain trade lower in stocks. You know, NVIDIA just beat revenue by 8% and the stock is down. So that tells you that the positioning, uh, at least associated with this particular name, and really, I mean, it obviously it's a bellwether for the broader market, was very uh, extended and stretched. And this is why corrections happen. Corrections happen because of, you know, basic supply and demand reasons. They don't necessarily mean that the fundamental outlook has changed or that the tech bubble uh, is about to come unglued and unwound. I highly doubt it's about to come to unglued and unwound, certainly not uh, if this inflation regime remains persistent uh, for at least another quarter or two, as we, we suspect it is. Hmm. So uh, when we're looking at the rest of the world and we're trying to plug in what's happening with growth, so do you see, when you're, when you, you, if we go from a reflation, which is kind of Goldilocks, to an inflationary regime, if that's where we're headed, are we seeing uh, strong growth leading that? Or is it one of those stagflation type stories where growth drop, we have the the worst scenario where we see growth slowing, but inflation remaining persistent. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, th th I'll, that, I'll answer that question really easily. Uh, Brian, if you go back on slide two uh, on this chart, uh, where we show uh, the sum and share of confirming markets, again, what we're doing is tallying all the volatility adjusted momentum signals across the four grid regimes and how they've historically traded on the asset markets to effectively now cast the, the market regime so that we can respond in our portfolios to make those uh, pivots and factor bet changes uh, and asset allocation changes uh, in real time when it's time to go, as opposed to after the fact, you know, once the markets move. But going back to answering your specific question, Maggie, inflation is a risk off regime. So they're effectively pricing in, they're effectively thinking about the same fundamental dynamics. Just one is uh, without policy restraint on the horizon and one is with policy restraint on the horizon. When you're in a reflation regime, that means the collective wisdom of all the investors in the world, particularly the institutional investors in the world, because that's the kind of markets that we feature on that table on slide one, Brian, um, the institutional investors in the world are expecting uh, either accelerating uh, nominal growth or above trend nominal growth in a reflation regime or inflation regime. The difference, as I mentioned, is in reflation, the risk on version of that, the market participants are not expecting uh, a taking away of the punch bowl, if you will. But in the inflation version of that, they are expecting uh, the, the, the fiscal monetary policymakers to take away the punch bowl. And that's exactly what we saw throughout 2022, as you see in the chart on the right on slide two, uh, where inflation uh, was the dominant, was a top-down market regime for pretty much all of 2022 uh, into uh, into uh, kind of November, early November of that year. So in our opinion, you know, that's probably back on the horizon in our opinion, because we certainly believe that a, uh, in terms of the, 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 the soft landing 
uh, scenario, losing share uh, in the, over the next couple of quarters, we think that share is going to go to the no landing scenario as opposed to the to the hard landing scenario. We think that that scenario is toast. We think it's more likely that the economy uh, continues to hang in there, continues to show a resiliency, the resiliency that we called for uh, and often mm. back in the summer of 2022. Interesting. What about China? Can it lift itself out of its malaise? <laughs> Absolutely not, but it's going to continue lifting asset markets. That's a uh, uh, not to get too, uh, you know, I, I don't want to tip my own cap too much because, you know, we got to let our clients do that, do that for us at 42 Macro. But uh, that's one of the calls that we've gotten right as well in recent months. Uh, and then to go back to mid-December, uh, we were explicitly calling for uh, front-loaded policy support uh, out of Beijing uh, to start calendar 2024. And that's exactly what we're seeing. If you look, go to slide seven up, uh, Brian, um, the slide seven just shows uh, the various means and metrics uh, that the PBOC uses to influence monetary policy and, and, and financial conditions in the Chinese economy. Its balance sheet is ripping. Uh, if you look at uh, claims on banks, which is effectively the medium term lending program or the over market operations program, uh, that's ripping as well. Uh, if you look at, uh, they're obviously lowering uh, triple R rates, they're low uh, reserve requirement ratios, they're lowering the loan prime rate, uh, they're lowering their medium term lending facility rates. Uh, they've uh, they've uh, they pledged more supplemental lending uh, to, uh, to specific sectors of the economy. So they're in like a full fledged, you know, reflation style uh, uh, policy mix uh, here. They're implementing that. Uh, but the reality is, it's not going to do anything to resuscitate, sustainably resuscitate the Chinese mm-hmm. economy. What it's actually doing is on slide eight, which is something we call it for explicitly, which is the, the panic that we continue to see out of Beijing to the bare minimum shore up confidence in the nation's equity market. We saw some maneuvers uh, there this morning from a regulatory perspective. The panic that they continue to exude has been very favorable and very positive for the positive global liquidity impulse that our macro weather model, going back to that dynamic stochastic system we built, flagged in real time in November um, as, as, as contributing to uh, Goldilocks market conditions. So, you know, again, this is, you know, if you hear one thing from us in our process, it should be uh, humility and accepting the fact that a lot of these things just happen and we don't need to predict them all. We can mm-hmm. build two systems and tools and have a robust enough fundamental research process uh, in place as we do here at 42 Macro to actually cap- catch, and catch these things uh, in real time when they inflect. So again, that we can make the appropriate pivots in our portfolios to stay on the right side of market risk. If you don't want to stay on the right side of market risk, if you just want to be long or short your theme and stay long and short your theme, no matter what's happening in the market, I have no idea where you're wasting time watching programs like this, but God help. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to lose money, Darius. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> so, no, I disagree, but uh, I, I respectfully disagree. I think there are people who truly believe in a theme and an investment, Bitcoin, yeah. for instance, NVIDIA, for instance, and that will ride it down no matter what, because they believe in the long-term outlook. And people, so there are investors that treat their entire portfolios like that on the retail yeah. investment side. Obviously, you can't do that uh, if you're a professional investor. Right, right. Well, and 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 to be fair, Raul sometimes talks about the fact that he lives very much in the future. And so there is a portion of what he does that is like super, super long-term. And he's comfortable with that. But I think for a lot of people who are listening, and increasingly, as we all face funding ourselves longer in this journey, um, we really want to try to avoid the drawdowns if we can, because um, it's painful and it's hard to make them up. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think that you know anything we can do to help people in that regard uh, yes. is fantastic. So we appreciate it. I got to tell you this one comment. It's so great. Um, let me find it. It's from uh, Bernardo. Darius, where do you buy your clothes? I wish I could be half as dapper as you. <laughs> well, I have to say, I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> of course, yeah. Darius has a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you need a guy. I'm I'm six. I'm a it, it, so normal people in normal people terms. I'm six four, two hundred eighty five pounds. Yeah, you know, to the you buy that off the rack, baby. Feet, but, 
Yeah, I was six three when they when they measured me, but I'm I'm six four. We'll do the terms. For those of you who listen often, I have a, a a young football player in my life in my house, and buying him clothes is difficult right now. We got some big guns on his. I can't fit only, fit him in a lot of stuff. So I might need that guy, Darius. <laughs> it only gets more difficult, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, the, hopefully, looking at the markets wasn't as difficult thanks to you today, Darius. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Maggie, it is always a pleasure to be here with your guys' community. Uh, you guys have phenomenal questions. You're obviously a fantastic host, and I just want to say thank you. You, know, you guys are doing a great service uh, for the world. Hopefully, you know, I think we're doing a great service uh, for the investors that, that subscribe to our, to our product as well. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, what we're really just trying to do is, is educate uh, and help us all you know, achieve better financial outcomes for our families and our clients. And you know, I'm proud to say that you guys are doing that and we're doing that. Absolutely. And we're going to be doing that all this month. Uh, we're doing a, a uh, a series coming up. Don't F this up. Um, <laughs> Is that the know, name of the series? You know, Raul. Yes. Well, it's, it's, it's more than that, but we're threatening to make an NFT if I keep saying it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you'll, we'll find out more. We'll, we'll, we'll toss more breadcrumbs and we're going to be diving into um, how important it is to have a framework as well next week. So we'll do all that. And this week, um, crypto gathering folks tomorrow and Friday, it is free 22nd, 23rd. All you have to do is go to realvision.com slash crypto gathering and sign up and register. And then you get access to the event. Um, while we were all worrying about our portfolios, there've been billions flooding into those Bitcoin ETFs. So we've been getting a lot of questions from all of you about what it means and this sort of intersection of this now with macro. So we're going to dive into all of that over the next two days uh, as a way to continue to educate and help. So be sure to sign up for that. Thank you, Darius. We'll catch up with everybody tomorrow. Take care and good luck out there. Please don't fuck this up. When we've got such a massive opportunity in crypto, we become our own worst enemies. When the bull market truly starts, you end up losing your minds, doing all the wrong things, and end up poorer than when you started, or just not capturing it. Anyway, I'm serious about trying to help you not fuck this up. And the crypto gathering is all about that. Two amazing, fun-filled days of learning about how to get this right. That's on February the 22nd, 23rd, and there'll be panels, Q&As, interviews. Come and join us. It's free. Register at realvision.com forward slash crypto gathering. That's realvision.com forward slash crypto gathering. And come and help yourself not fuck this up. I'll see you there. We hope you enjoyed this episode. At Real Vision, we arm you with the expert knowledge, time-efficient tools, and a powerful network to help you succeed on your financial journey. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free.